Hi, it's Seeking Plum. So you may have already heard this on Anchor and you would have heard the full segments um, with Patrick from the Great Everything. Yes, I'm referring to him once again. If you listen to the podcast, you're missing out uh, on some of those. But I'm going to attempt to summarize what he said and what he talked about because I felt like some of the content that came afterward was somewhat interesting. So Patrick was, or maybe is, reading a book called Community of Writers, a Workshop Course in Writing by Peter Elbow and Pat Belanoff. He read a few quotes from it, and then he interspersed some of his thoughts as well. The book talked about a common perception we have, that writers put meaning into words, and that as readers, we take them out. We discover what was meant to be understood. But that's an illusion. I believe this is a direct or rough quote from Patrick. He said, words are only meaningful so far as people attribute meaning to them. The book went on and talked about how writers can only give us essentially directions for creating meaning and hopefully uh, in the end, what we take out of it resembles what the writer intended. But as Patrick pointed out, there can never be complete parody because what the writer intended and what I, the reader, take out of it is going to be different. We have different ways of interpreting words, language, and our perceptions on the world. I can't remember if it was Patrick who said it or if it was from the book that he was reading from, but he mentioned that reading and listening, it's not about finding but making meaning. It's not about looking for messages but building them. Parenthetically, this is so true when you think about it. I mean, how many times have you read a headline, an article, a tweet, or something like that where two different politically viewed people read it but interpreted it very differently? Same words, different takeaway, different meaning created. See, I'm still using the different language. Anyway, at the end, Patrick asks a question. He says, when you're listening or reading, ask yourself, how much meaning is already there and how much meaning are we making? Okay, so that pretty well wraps up his segment. Not nearly as eloquent or or well thought out, but there you have it. What follows is... First, my thoughts, uh, my reflections on his segment from a few days ago, which I find interesting now because listening back to it, I realized that I obviously wasn't listening very clearly because there were things I missed and suddenly thought that, oh, I had this thought where he already said it (laughs) and I must have been in my own mind thinking about something rather than completely consuming what he was saying. Anyway, uh, and then after that uh, is a a segment on an actual example more blatantly of making meaning out of something that did not have that intention. In an odd sort of way, I found that piece very freeing and encouraging at the same time. There have been times where I enjoyed writing, but I have found it frustrating when I can see the exact words I used 
and how I strung them together. But the person reading it took away a completely different understanding. And I scratch my head and say, did they not see those particular words or them strung together that way? Or did they miss that part entirely? Or is it just me? Am I just that shitty of a writer? (laughs) Now, given I am not the greatest of writers and I need to work on that if I'm going to pursue continuing to do, do write, you know, but this was, um, eye opening and a bit of a clarification reminder that that's exactly it. There cannot be this parody between what the author writes and what the reader makes of it. The more I think about it, this disparity between what one person is trying to communicate and the other person is making of it, I think can happen even verbally. I think it's a little more uh, complex and difficult to communicate in written form than it is verbally, but I still think that the disparity exists because we're still making um, an understanding of the content of what's being communicated to us. Um, okay, <laughs> this might sound silly, but as an example, um, I watch Big Brother, and sometimes I watch the After Dark episodes, and it's interesting to watch uh, person A talking to person B, and person A says one thing, and person B interprets it completely different. It, it's, it doesn't matter what words came out of person A's mouth, person B has a previously conceived notion of what they think about person A. I think it sort of comes down to that um, idea of active listening where you're supposed to stop planning what you're going to say to the person while you're, quote, listening, but actually listening to them instead. If you're only thinking about your response or thinking about, you know, a preconceived notion of who they are, you're not listening to what they're saying. That can shape uh, what you make of the content, whether it's written or verbal. Anyway, getting back to the point, this piece was very freeing because now I can focus on being a better communicator in whatever um, medium that is, verbal or written and still understand that this uh, disparity is going to exist. And somehow knowing that and accepting that is, um, is, uh, is, is a good thing. I don't think I'm going to give up trying to communicate. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, I think there's more thoughts percolating in my head on this, but I rather enjoyed this piece. Once again, thank you, Patrick. I came across a quote yesterday on Twitter by uh, Antoine, and I'm not going to attempt his last name. He's the author of The Little Prince. And the quote reads, To love isn't to look at one another, but to look together in the same direction. You may have heard it before. As an example of what we make of the content we read, consume. 
this may be the perfect one, or at least for me. Once upon a time, I heard this quote, and I took it at face value, or what I would assume is face value, and, and you know, didn't think much of it. It seemed a lovely thought, right? You are there with your partner, facing in the same direction, moving ahead in life. This uh, quote was accompanied by a photo of the word hate uh, written on the side of a building very large with a big red X over it. Perhaps it's in light of everything that also happened yesterday and is still ongoing, from the fires and flooding and hurricanes, earthquakes, missile launches, not to mention political happenings. But today what I make of that quote is different. Uh, to look in the same direction, I'm not sure what that means. I saw um, a hashtag yesterday, uh, hashtag NW, order out of chaos. And I also know that there are some people who interpret a lot of what's happening as uh, the beginning of or part of the end times. I think that if you look at both groups, essentially they both want something better, right? The order out of chaos, new world order out of chaos, wants I'm assuming something better than what is here now. And those who are considering this the end times are looking forward to what's beyond the trials and tribulations, um, you know, going to heaven to be with their father, their God. But is that looking in the same direction together, something better? And then if that is, is that considered developing or building love? I don't think that that can be the case or is the case. Dialing it back, I think this is a perfect example of making something out of the quote that wasn't necessarily intended by the author. Now, I can't read his mind, and obviously he's no longer with us, so I can't ask him either, but I suspect uh, it was probably more about a relationship or friends and family than it was this <laughs> grand notion of society or groups of people trying to unite. I think I also initially interpreted the first part of the quote of to love isn't to look at one another as strictly not looking at one another. And again, I don't think that's necessarily what he meant. It doesn't roll off the tongue, but I would almost want to insert a to love isn't just to look at one another. You have to see each other, but you can't stay focused on one another. You have to turn outward. And by turning outward and having a focus ahead of you, moving toward it, I think makes you healthier together. Anyway, I'm far more analyzing this quote than was intended, but I think that uh, as Patrick was describing, this is an example, right? Yesterday, I looked at this quote and was like, what? And then uh, having heard Patrick's piece, and now here I am today, I can, I, I, I okay. <laughs> I can see how I made something of it that there wasn't, and now I can also see that there may have been more intended behind it than I initially saw. So, anyway, 
that was uh, that was an interesting little journey. What do you think? Do you think this quote applies to, or could apply to groups of people? Or do you think it's more of a one-on-one -on -one type of relationship or friendship or what have you? Um, I guess my real question is, is what, what is love? You know, what is it to love? I'd love to hear from you. Hi, Seeking Plum. Alan with Sentient Future here. Sorry for the audio quality of the previous uh, call-in. I was out with the kids, and yeah, they were loud. Um, but they're, they're joy. And uh, speaking of joy, you were talking about uh, Antoine Saint-Exupéry's uh, definition of love largely being uh, two people looking in the same direction as opposed to looking for love in one another. And I, I like that definition, and it, it also fits with uh, yet another way of looking at love um, one that I subscribe to, and, and that's uh, Robert Pluchik's emotional model. He describes a bunch of, you know, the, the eight core emotions. I've covered that on my uh, on my station. But he defines love as a the combination of joy and trust. And what I like about that is that joy is really a sh something shared as well. You could say that people are looking in the same direction, finding enjoyment out of the same things, and trust as well. That there's uh, less risk in that relationship because uh, you are aligned in in some capacity. So I just thought the two definitions fit nicely together, and I want to thank you for bringing Antoine Saint-Exupéry up. Thanks for calling in again, Alan. The kids sounded like they were having a blast, and it sounded like you had your hands full. Um, I really appreciate the call back, and I think that your uh, description of love being a combination of joy and trust and how you described it fits very well at, at, as well. Um, so... Thank you. I, I appreciate that perspective. Hi, thanks for listening. I'd love to hear from you, be it a comment, call, or clap. Let me know your thoughts here on Anchor or find me on Twitter at Seeking Plum.